Once again, welcome to week three of our study of the book of Ruth in the midst of the mess. Life sometimes requires risks. Like sometimes those risks are, are ones you have to take because you, you have to make a choice, you have to make a decision, but, but there's risk. Like take for example that there are, are many in our world who over the last month or so graduated from college, have, have started the interview process, and eventually they might have to pick and choose between option A, option B, or option C. Those, those high school graduates are, are making selections, and there's a, a risk involved in, in the job that you take or the, the major path that you are choosing. Life involves some risk that, that might not be so risky, but, but they cause your, your heart to, to race a little bit when you, when you take that leap of faith, when you get down on one knee, propose to that person that you love and been, have been dating for a long time. Like, trust me, I, I remember I was 99.9% sure that my wife was going to say yes. She's probably back there going, eh. But it was still a risk. Like, what will they say? Getting married. You know, as much as we look forward to a celebration of a wedding day, marriage is a lifetime, and, and it's a risk. Or how about when you go to the doctor's office, and they run your test, and he comes back and says, you know, based on what we talked about and discussed, here are the medications I want you to take or, or continue to take, and, and usually they'll go through, but you do understand there is some risk. Like, that pill might affect your liver. That one might cause, I won't say it, but you understand, medically speaking, there are risks involved with medications we take and surgeries that, that we might have. And, and how about relationships? Like, it's risky for that 14-year-old boy who's at high school and homecoming is coming, and, and that girl, he likes her, but he's not so sure what she'll say, and he asks her to, to the dance, and, and what if she says no? Like, I'll be ridiculed. My life will be ruined. Maybe not so much, guys but risk. And I want you to have that in the back of your mind today because that's what we're going to talk about in chapter 3 as we see the story of Ruth progress and what's transpiring. There's going to be a great risk that is taken. Like some risks in life are, are ones that are easy to, to take because we, we know most likely how it's going to turn out. But some risks are, are, are difficult and challenging. Some risks, like a surgery, that we aren't sure of how it will go, uh, are things that we evaluate, we analyze, we, we weigh the pros and the cons. What if I don't do it, but, but what if I don't do it? We're going to see the, the risks involved that, that Ruth is going to take, but, but quite honestly, all along the way, that's been happening. Like in chapter 1, Elimelech took a risk. He took his family from Bethlehem to Moab because there was no food in Bethlehem. There's a famine in Bethlehem, and and there was a risk involved in going to a foreign country, being an outsider, being, being someone who had to, would have to learn to live off the land. And, and yet he, he weighed, he did the risk analysis, if I stay and we don't eat or if I go, we might potentially have food and said, let's go. And then think of Naomi and Ruth. Like Naomi understood being a foreigner and being a widow was not good when Bethlehem had food once again. While the, the trip would have been dangerous, staying might have been more dangerous, so she took the risk. And, and then what about Ruth, who, who threw security to the side, who threw 
the, the future to the side most likely by never probably having a chance to get married as a foreigner and a widow in a country where she was an outsider. Naomi told her as much, go home, find a man, stay with your, your mom and dad. They will take care of you. There was risk in her saying, no, your God, my God, your people, my people, you die, I'll die there. Chapter two, we, last week we talked about risk. Like for a lady, an outsider, to go and glean in the fields behind, she would put herself at risk to men who, who might take advantage. But Ruth probably weighed the risk, gleaning, and, and the risk is worth it because otherwise we starve, we don't have food. Which leads us to chapter three. Like, we're going to see the, the progression of the story. A little bit of time has passed. The, the harvest has come and gone. But what I w- want you to remember from last week, and, and this is what I shared last week at the end, what we see all along the way is Ruth and Naomi, their families making choices, like doing risk analysis. Like anyone who works in the business world, you probably have an HR department. There's someone in it that analyzes the risk of decisions, acquisitions, hirings, and firings, the choices that you make. Like Ruth and Naomi have been doing the human thing all along in making choices. And we see that. The Bible talks about that. Here's, here's Proverbs, and it's a reminder from verse 16. In the hearts, humans plan their course. Like Elimelech planned his course, but it wasn't God's course. Uh, Naomi plotted her course and came back. Uh, Ruth came along. They made decisions along the way, plotting their course, understanding the consequences. And in chapter 2, Ruth planned her course. Naomi then said afterwards, keep doing what Boaz asked you to do. Like we think this thing that we're doing, the choices that we're making, the risks that we're taking are all part of our design. In their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord, the proverb says, establishes their steps. Like, Ruth made a decision to glean. She stumbled across a field. It happened to be Boaz. Like, she was making choices. She was planning her steps, but the Lord was establishing it. Like, the Lord got her where he wanted her and was going to use that encounter in the midst of the mess. And we call that providence. The providence of God. Like, God's sovereignty, his rule and his reign uh, over all things, powerfully speaking, but his providence is his rule and his reign for his people with a purpose, for their spiritual and eternal good. So a lot of the choices we make in life come with risks, but, but spiritually speaking, at the heart, a Christian understands God establishes their steps. We're going to see that play out today in the midst of the mess. We're going to see the risk that was taken, and, and we're going to come away with some truths that I, I believe we find in Ruth chapter 3. I pray you're blessed by it, and, and you've got to come back for chapter 4 because it ties it all together. Like this chapter is kind of stuck in the middle uh, of chapter two where we get introduced to the the guardian redeemer concept. The guardian redeemer, the kinsman redeemer, like Naomi identified Boaz as one of their guardian redeemers. Uh, Some people ask the question, what was a guardian redeemer's purpose? The law of Moses said they serve four purposes. So if you weren't, uh, didn't catch it last week, you missed it last week, they could avenge the wrongful death of a family member. They could redeem, buy back a family member who had become a slave because of their poverty. They could pay the price to get them freedom. And then the last two involved land. Like the land that, a, that an Israelite would own uh, could be uh, passed along, could be bought by a guardian redeemer uh, so that the family member could receive their, their money and be taken care of. Naomi came back 
relying on that. Then there was another guardian redeemer law where if that person took the, the person's spouse who had died, so like in this case, use Ruth as the example, if a guardian redeemer married her, produced an heir, actually, Naomi would be the one whose family tree would be extended. So in Naomi's understanding and talking about guardian redeemers, there's a long, 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 long shot like the Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl. That this could happen. Just kidding. Like I know the Lions fans think the Packers are going to be better. It's okay. Like you understand what this means. Um, so much so that, remember what Naomi said to Ruth when she came back? Like there's no hope for you to find a man here. No one's going to marry you. It's just impossibility with who you are, where you came from. So like that long, 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 long shot, it's out there, but. So Naomi understands her land could be redeemed, but here's the issue and the risk that needs to be taken. Naomi has an issue and Ruth has an issue. Look at what Naomi says to Ruth one day. My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Like Naomi knows that that because Elimelech has land, when this harvest season is over, she can sell it to one of her guardian redeemers. They'll pay the price. She'll receive the money. They'll work the land for her. She'll receive a little bit of income, but be taken care of physically. Uh, and, and then one day, that guardian redeemer will inherit the land because Naomi has no heirs. So he wins. He pays the money. Naomi kind of gets her retirement fund. But eventually, it's going to run out. Like, it's enough to take care of her. It's enough to provide for her. But when she dies, it goes away. The other guy, the guardian redeemer, gets the land. So Naomi knows, like, who knows how long my life is? How much time do I have left? Like, if I die before I get the land, or if I die two years down the road, like, that leaves Ruth, this young lady, this widow, this foreigner, alone and helpless. And when you're helpless, sometimes you feel hopeless. Say, Naomi knows I got to do something. You, I must find you a home. Like she said before, go home, stay home, don't come with me so you can have a home. Now she feels compelled to provide for her daughter. She doesn't view her as an outsider. She is family. And here's her plan. And here's the risk. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, the same field you worked in, is a relative of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wa wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Like this is, has all the makings of a great Netflix series, right? Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. So under the dark of night, be quiet, put on your best clothes, look your best. Here's what I want you to do. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. The risk, like the, the risk that Naomi proposes to Ruth is not risky for Naomi. Like she's got her inheritance. Someone's going to buy her land. Land was valuable. She's going to be taken care of. The risk was all being assumed by Ruth. Go into the threshing floor of this man who has befriended you, been kind to you, took pity on you, been sympathetic to you, been generous to you, is a relative of ours, go, go into the threshing floor after he is done working, after he has eaten and, and, and he lays down, and lay down by his feet, uncover them, and lay down there. In that day and age, in that culture, what, what Naomi was telling Ruth 
take the first step, take the big step, propose. Like, ask him to step up and make you his wife. Now, I know in our day and age, it's not quite as extreme. Like, ladies, some of you may have proposed to your men, probably most likely because they just didn't have the courage or the guts to do it in the timely fashion that they should have. So you, you took action, right? You asked them to marry you. But even in our world still today, men usually propose to their lady. It's uh, kind of the, the way the world still even works. 3,000 years ago, this would have been way out there. And understand, like we get no impression, we get no insight that, that Ruth and Boaz, after their first encounter in the field, you know, kept having lunch together, kept having conversations with one another. Like, Boaz, we don't get the impression that he went to Ruth and said, tell me about your family. What was it like? How was your, what was your dad good at? Tell me a little bit about yourself. Hey, you want to go out for some ice cream or uh, for a steak dinner? Like, we don't get any of that. Naomi's words are like, you know that guy, the field he's in, Boaz, he's, he's a guardian redeemer, like the one you've been working with, the ladies in the field? Go and propose to him. And this is why it was risky. Like, women didn't do that kind of thing. It would have been very forward. Second, not only was it a bold request, but understand and remember who Ruth was, what the book has identified her as. The Moabitess. Like, just think about what she would have been doing. Foreigner, widow, has nothing, literally. If Naomi dies, is left alone. Boaz has a whole lot of money. He is a wealthy man. Like, her putting, laying down at his feet and asking him to marry her could be very well viewed as gold digging by 21st century standards. Like, marrying for money. Marrying for security and safety physically, but not for any other reason. Or, maybe even worse, it would have viewed her as that kind of girl. And understand the risk. Like as a, someone who had no standing, someone who had no real family tree, like in the moment when she makes this offer, when she lays down at Boaz's feet, she's literally at his mercy to make a decision and determination of her future. Good or bad. But I'll do it, Ruth said. <laughs> I'll do what you say. Like, I'll take the risk. Like, I know the promises of God, your God, my God. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. I I'm going to put my trust in God. I, I have hope that there will be a future. So let's see how it turns out. So Ruth went to the, down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, not drunk. We don't get the impression that he had overindulged. It was a part of the process of, of working and finishing the, the, the day, celebrating with a good food and, and maybe a glass of wine. He went over to lie down at the end of a long day at the far end of the grain pile. You might wonder, that doesn't sound like the place I would go and take an a long night's nap after a hard day's work, like the hard ground of the threshing floor. Understand why Boaz would have slept on the threshing floor by the grain pile. The grain pile is his money. Like, it's his income. It's his wealth. 
Like there aren't silos or barns that you could store things in back in that day and age. Like guarding it with your life was a literal thing. Which is why Naomi knew he would be there. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Can you just imagine? Boom, 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 boom. Like mine was racing like that when I proposed. My wife thought it was the craziest thing. I was acting weird. Uh huh, I was acting weird. This is not normal. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. <laughs> not normal. Who are you, he asked. He understood what was going on. He understood that there was someone at his feet. He understood that he didn't know who it was and wanted to find out, I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Same word she used in chapter 2, your servant. Acknowledging her position, acknowledging that she wasn't worthy, acknowledging uh, that she was looking to him in a position of not being equal or even close to equal because she understood what she was just about to ask. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Like, take that outer cloak that you're using to keep yourself warm. Literally in the Hebrew, spread your wings over me. The famous Christian song on eagle's wings, like God the Father, he, he spreads his wings over us. That was a visual and imagery of what takes place in a relationship of marriage. The spreading of a, uh, the coat over you. Game of Thrones, like the cloak got put over the, the wife shortly before someone died. Always seemed to happen, right? Like this is a symbol. This is symbolic of marriage. As he was sleeping, spread it over me. Cover me. Give me shelter in your protection with your coat. And as Ruth's heart is beating, waiting for him to wake up, and now beating as she's making the request even quicker, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Boaz. Like this lady is taking a huge risk. And she's making a huge ask. And while her heart is beating fast, Boaz and his head must be spinning in circles, right? Like she's put you on the spot. She's asked you to step up and be a man. She's asked you to, to marry her, to take her into your home. Someone who is below you, someone who is a foreigner and an outsider. To, to, to take her from being a servant to being an heiress and wealthy from being a foreigner to being an insider. Like, the, the ask is huge. And I don't know about you guys, but if this is you, like, and you've never really gone on a date, you don't know that much about the person, you've heard of their character and reputation, would you, not your first words be like, I really appreciate the offer, but can I think about it? Like, can we talk about it? Like, tell me about your mom and dad. Like, do you have any siblings? <laughs> like, I'm not so sure this is a good thing. Like, wouldn't you want to go home and ask your parents, talk to your family members? Like, hey, this lady, she laid by my feet. She asked me to marry her. Like, what? She hasn't even been over for dinner yet. Like, I think that would be logical. I think that would be, I would want my kid to do. <laughs> like, is she in it for the right reasons? Or is she just looking out for herself? Like, all those things seem logical, don't they? Because <laughs> Boaz understood that if he was to say yes, it would be a risk. A risk to his character, a, a risk to, to his status, a, a risk to, to his wealth, a risk to a whole lot of things. Like taking risks, being full of faith in the moment isn't always easy. 
But Boaz doesn't push pause. Boaz says this. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. What? (laughs) You have not run after the younger man, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of your family, A, not the, there is another who is more closely related than I. Uh, This is like a family tree thing. Like guardian redeemers of Elimelech would have been many. And there would have been one at the top of the list who was the closest ancestor, the one who had the first right to be the one to redeem and pay the price. So Boaz understands a principle like, I will marry you, I will do that, but I can't be the true guardian redeemer. I can't be the ultimate one who, who would take you in and, and fulfill all those things, but I will do as I have promised. I will make you my wife. However, stay here for the night, and in the morning, that other man, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. Like, I got to put it in his court. I got to give him the opportunity But if he's not willing to be your guardian redeemer, notice the difference. Hold on to that till next week. Not Naomi's guardian redeemer, but but Boaz is offering this to Ruth. If he's not willing as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. Again, time after time, Boaz, his character. Boaz, his godliness. Boaz is a man who knew God's word and knew God's law and knew what God called to do. Boaz, as someone who identified her as, you know, someone I admire. Like from a distance, Boaz was admiring her. His admiration for her character and love for Naomi. His, his admiration for her not running after the, the boys Uh, and and just taking care of herself, not just running after the young ones or the money ones, but understanding that she was a person of character. Boaz did not compromise on the threshing floor, and he also cared for her. Bring me your shawl. And when he did, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her, and then he went back to town. Like, Boaz steps up. Boaz takes a risk. Boaz says, I'll go in front of the community, and I'll make known what I am going to do to take you to be my wife, And I will see if the other person will step up. Wait. (laughs) Could you imagine? Like being so excited the proposal is taken, but now Boaz says to her, like, someone else could choose to do it. (laughs) Like, you proposed to me, but it might not be me. (laughs) Like, you imagine that? This is kind of crazy. Like, this is Netflix episode four and five and six. Well, here's what happens when uh, Ruth gets back, how chapter three ends up. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? I'm guessing she didn't sleep much during the night. Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley. She came home filled up with food to to take care of. It's a a sign of, of love. It's a sign of generosity. It's a sign of, I will follow through on what I did and take care of you. Don't go go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter. Until you find out what happens for the man, the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Like Boaz will do what he has said. He's a man of godliness. He's a man of character. He has, his reputation precedes himself. Wait here. He will not rest until he settle, settles this matter uh, before everyone else in the city. It will come to a conclusion, a dramatic one. 
Like all along, Naomi and Ruth have been taking risks, and now Boaz is taking a risk. And all along the way, they've, they've done it in faith, they've been people of faith, and they've made choices, they've plotted their steps, they're, they're thinking through their actions, but remember the proverb, God establishes the steps. God is at work, he's brought Ruth to that field, he, He's brought her into contact with a godly good man, someone who's from the family tree. Like all the mess that has happened to, to Naomi and her family, all the, the loss of Elimelech and his sons. How is this going to end? How's the proposal going to go? Where is she going to end up? I know some of you have read through the end of the story. you got to come back to see how the Lord establishes all these things. His providence is in play. And how God, for the good of his people, blesses in the midst of the mess. But before next week, I want to give you three truths from Ruth chapter 3 I want you to hold on to, think about, consider, and maybe apply in different ways. One, like Ruth is a great story. It's a God story. It's seeing God at work in the midst of mess. But it is a love story. Like It, it is a love story in chapter 2, and it grows in chapter 3, and we're going to see it flourish in chapter 4. Like Boaz and, and Ruth are one of the amazing love stories uh, that are found in the pages of Scripture. Love in a godly, good way. And I really want you to see that and identify it and think that's important for today on a day when we celebrate families and, and relationships, when we think of fathers and, uh, and, and mothers, husbands and wives, kids and family. Takeaway number one that you find in Ruth, it's not just a chapter three one, but a godly relationship models our redeemer. Like Boaz was the kinsman redeemer, the one who was flesh and blood to the family, the one who was able to, to pay the pro, able to redeem and willing to pay the price, you and, and I have a redeemer. That redeemer is Jesus Christ and God, the Father, sets up the, the relationship of husbands and wives, the human home, to be built on the, the example of Jesus Christ, the love of God for the church. And Boaz and Ruth display that in amazing ways. Like Boaz displays what a man of godly character a you-first love of how a husband, a man, is to treat a woman. Like when she lays down at his feet, he doesn't question her character. He, he believes the best and doesn't assume the worst. He guards her reputation. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Like love, it, it, biblical love, you-first love, is modeled in in Boaz's actions and what he promises to do. It's love that, that only flows from the love of God. It models the love of our Redeemer, our kinsman Redeemer, who for you and for me did the very same thing. It's why God wants that front and center in every relationship. He's family. He was willing to redeem and he was able to pay the price. So can I just encourage you to have this takeaway? Like moms and dads, if you are in the room, like look at Naomi's words I want to find a place for you to have a home. And she didn't just say, go find somebody, anybody. You need a man. She said, no, go to that man. Because of who he is, the godly man that he was. Like moms and dads, be like Naomi. Pray for that. Encourage that. <laughs> Speak into that. Like if you are dating ladies, be like Ruth and, and think of the person that you want to marry it and have him be like that like who puts you first <laughs> who like guards your reputation like dudes 
Did I just say that out loud? Guys, like be like Boaz. Have the, the best interest of the person who comes to you. Like when a lady reaches, connects with you and says, I think I'm falling in love with you, do not view that as a chance to take advantage, but, but guard their heart. Like a godly relationship models our Redeemer. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrificial. Like what Boaz was offering to do was sacrificial. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. Wives, respect your husbands. You first love. Love in marriage. A godly relationship models God's love. Take that away from this story, even though it's not necessarily as much about the mess, but it will bless you in the midst of any mess to have a godly relationship where husband and wives love each other like that. Okay, point number two. From chapter 1 to chapter 2 to chapter 3 and going into chapter 4, here's what we see on display, a spiritual truth in the midst of the mess. Even in the midst of the mess, when you have this, it is a powerful force, and it is called hope. Hope. Godly hope. Like, Naomi came back bitter, but there was still a glimpse of hope. (laughs) She's still using the name of the Lord. In chapter 2, Ruth has hope. Like, I got to go. I got to find a field. I'm going to do it. I I trust in God. I I hope. Naomi sends her out, and she comes back, arms full of food. Naomi's hope rises, right? Like, 20 loaves of bread. Woo! And this man is one of our guardian redeemers. There's hope. There's hope. Chapter 3, hope throughout the harvest has now grown so much that Naomi says, take the leap of faith, take the step, put your head at his feet, propose marriage to this man. Like, you see hope? Like, hope is a powerful force. And who doesn't need hope in the midst of the mess? Godly hope. Godly hope that God could do something, somehow, at some time, in some way, to bring about something good. When you're bitter, God can and will spiritually, for our good, do something better. And in the midst of the mess, remember this. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Like, I want to say this correctly. I don't want, in the midst of the mess, for you to be offended. God cares about your circumstances. He does. In the midst of the mess, if you're going through it, God cares. Cast all your cares on me because I care about you. But God wants you to hear this loud and clear. As much as he cares about your circumstances, he ultimately and eternally cares more about your character. He does. And perseverance in the midst of the mess produces character. And character, that refining, produces hope. And you know why you and I can have hope in the midst of the mess? Because our hope is not in a wish. Our hope is not in a human. Our hope is in Jesus Christ who came into the mess and rescued you and me from sin so that we could spend eternity with him free of the mess. Like when your hope is in that anchor that is solid and secure, it will not disappoint you. It will not, you will not be put to shame in the midst of the mess. God is at work and Naomi and Ruth saw it and hope as you can see from chapter 1 to 2 to 3, and now into 4, is a powerful force. Like rely on on that truth and promise of God that in the midst of mess, he will work it for for good because hope is a powerful force. Number three, last one, big one, the risk one, being full of faith. Like God calls us to two things. Be faithful. 
Be faithful. Know the love of God. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to his word. Be in his word. Live, uh, live as God has called you to live. But in this life, there will come times when risks have to be taken, spiritually speaking. In this life, there will be decisions you have to make where there is unknown and uncertain. When, when that happens in life, be faithful to God's word and you will be reminded of God's faithfulness to you so that you can be full of faith. And being full of faith leads to taking spiritual risks. It leads to taking risks. Because your hope will not put you to shame when your hope is in God. And Ruth and Naomi did that. Like Naomi was putting Ruth at risk, but their hope was in a higher power, the amazing love of God in a man who they saw as godly and good. Was it a risk? Yes. But hope is a powerful force. They took it. And the Bible is filled with people who are willing to take spiritual risks, risk their life, risk their reputations, uh, speak the truth in love, risk relationally because the all might have been lost and they might have been rejected. Just think of some of the, the risk takers in the Bible. Think first of Abram. Go to the land, I will show you. Can I get the map? Go to the land and I will show you. Being full of faith takes risks and trust God. Or think of Noah, build the ark. Why? A flood is coming. How many hundreds of years are going to pass? And there is no rain. Like, be full of faith. It leads to taking risks. Think of that young boy who, who took a sling and five stones to a giant who was causing everyone to cower and said, my hope is not in swords and shields and spears, but in the Lord, and he will fight for me. <laughs> like when you're in the midst of the mess, think of David. Or how about Peter? When arrested after... Uh, knowing that, that, that they had put Jesus to death after being arrested and told, be quiet, don't talk about God, don't talk about the hope that you have. He said, I will not, we cannot help it, we will stand up and speak for God. Speaking for God sometimes requires a risk. Like in the midst of the mess, when, when you're fearful, be full of faith. When it's a spiritual risk, when, when you entrust it to God, trust not in your decision that you might get it right or wrong, but God at the end of the day, when you pray about it, consider it, are faithful to his word, be full of faith, entrust it to him, because he'll establish your steps. And now chapter four. What will happen? What will take place in the city when Boaz puts it out there that he's going to marry this woman? How's God going to use this and their choices to establish some amazing steps. Come on back next week as we wrap it up. But until then, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of the mess, you can, you can provide a powerful force that is hope. And hope does not put us to shame because it's found in our Redeemer, the one who paid the price willingly and was able to do it.